I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Hello and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Today, I initially was going to talk about moral compass work and piece out each moral value and have an episode for each moral value. And I'm still going to do that. But what I realized is that there are individuals who have a difficult time when they're dysregulated thinking of other people. And so if you can't think of someone else, right, think of who they are and what they need without making assumptions and narratives that match your insecurities, it's very difficult to be humble, to offer unconditional love, to be loyal, to have selfless service as something on your moral compass. So what I wanted to address today is this trend of taking the borderline personality dis- uh, disorder diagnosis and questioning whether or not it's a misdiagnosis and was actually autism spectrum disorder all along. And so I think I really wanted to address that because I've had a lot of people come to me and ask me whether or not they might have autism. So Let's define the two first, and then I'll talk about what the research states, and then I can kind of give you my opinion, right? Because everything on this podcast is really some opinion based on my personal experiences mixed in with some clinical things that have worked, right, for me and my clients. So autism spectrum disorder is characterized by persistent deficits in social communication and interaction, behavior patterns, and narrow and repetitive interests or activities. So there's an atypical social approach to conversation reciprocity, and there's not a lot of sharing of interest, emotions, or feelings. Nonverbal communication with someone with an autism diagnosis and non and verbal communication is not very well integrated. So there's some oftentimes a mismatch of the way someone is presenting versus the emotion that they may be experiencing. There's a difficulty with eye contact and an inability to have that cognitive empathy. So someone with borderline personality disorder, though, has this pervasive pattern of interpersonal relationships, self-image, and mood instability. So there are some big differences between autism spectrum disorder as a diagnosis and then borderline personality disorder as a diagnosis. Distinctive features for borderline personality disorder, as we know, are emotion dysregulation, fear of neglect, marked impulsiveness, a malfunctioning that occurs in an interpersonal relationship, and this, what they're calling fractioned thinking, right? So borderline personality disorder, again, and autism spectrum disorder, they, are, they have similarities because there is an impairment in theory of mind, or I say an underdeveloped theory of mind. Right, And so this impairment in this underdeveloped theory of mind is one of the things that these two diagnoses over have as an overlap, right? So what you want to think about is the things that maybe you experience in your life that sort of overlap. Maybe you have some autistic traits. People with borderline personality disorder often tout that they have cognitive empathy. They have a lot of empathy, right? They're empaths. But unfortunately, a hallmark feature of the diagnosis is that 
individuals with borderline personality disorder actually lack cognitive empathy, especially when they're dysregulated. So cognitive empathy, remember from earlier episodes, involves the process of understanding another person's perspective by adopting another person's point of view. The ability to adopt another person's point of view is consistent with the concept of theory of mind. Remember that cognitive empathy also includes the ability to judge and understand the intentions of others so that you can then monitor your own intentions. So there are, as you can see, some overlap. People with borderline personality disorder have an underdeveloped theory of mind and have issues in social situations. They have trouble, let's say, difficulty navigating the social world. Individuals with an autism spectrum diagnosis also have difficulties navigating the social world, also have difficulties with cognitive empathy because of an underdeveloped or a deficiency of maturation of the theory of mind. So there's an inability or a difficulty to analyze what another person could be thinking and then to shift and modulate your response to that. And so this concern or this issue, this is an overlap. So if you're thinking, you know, okay, well, am I one of these people that have been misdiagnosed? First, you want to think about like the definitions that I gave. Do your own research. Really look at what you think the differences are and what makes more sense to you. One of the hallmark things with BPD is really that emotional dysregulation because when that emotional dysregulation occurs, you go from zero to 60. You know, there's a people with borderline personality disorder often either lack the ability to mentalize or go into a hyper-mentalizing state, meaning they start to um, create, you start to create stories about what you think the other person's intention are, right? Versus, you know, someone with autism where maybe that's just a deficit and they're not able to develop that theory of mind. Whereas perhaps with someone with borderline personality disorder, it's more you know, at a part of the dysregulation. So you want to start to think about that, you know, doing your research and also think about what your motivation would be to switch diagnoses. So if you know that you have this intensity about you and for the most part, when you're not dysregulated, you do know what other people around you need and you can describe what the person that you're in relationship with might need from you or might be thinking and feeling when you're in a good spot emotionally, then perhaps you want to think of your borderline personality disorder as having those that overlap with the autism spectrum disorder diagnosis versus you actually switching and having this different diagnosis of autism. And also think about whether or not you want to kind of go with the trend So a lot of things can be trendy when it comes to BPD. The hesitance to diagnose borderline personality disorder is pretty astounding. The more I do this podcast, the more I find that that's the case. Um, So if your provider or someone is trying to kind of push you into that different category, you know, just make sure that you agree. And, you know, I think that the fact that people with borderline personality disorder often have a difficult time thinking of other people, you know, it's pretty clear that that's something that could be considered an autistic trait, right? The Something that I really want to reassure you 
in is that if you find that you have these autistic traits, meaning when you're really dysregulated, you don't think of your other, that partner, you don't really think of them and you start to create stories in your head about what they're thinking, or maybe just even in your everyday life, you have a busy day, so you're going off of a task list and so you like forget about what the person you know you love needs or what your child needs or your dog needs and you just find a lot of the times that like you're just not thinking of that person so maybe it seems selfish to the outsider but to you you didn't really mean to be selfish you just weren't thinking of them then there's likely this issue with having an underdeveloped theory of mind especially in an emotionally dysregulated state and so what i want you to do is instead of really like piecing out the diagnoses and switching and things like that, you know, I think adding to your current treatment would be awesome. And what I would want you to add to your treatment is anything that you can do, whether it be, you know, working with a specialist, working with us, finding someone that is, you know, does mentalizing, you know, those things would be really helpful if you were able to learn how to mentalize and stop hypermentalizing or being in a non-mentalizing state when you're dysregulated. If you can start to learn how to do that, to see the other person for who they are, to see their perspective in their world, then that presentation of autism will, you know, you can kind of chip away at it, right? Still maybe missing social cues, but then the next level of the of growth in your recovery process would be to study communication skills. Study nonverbal cues. Study social pleasantries. So it's not far off to say that people with borderline personality disorder, you know, you know, could have this comorbid autism spectrum diagnosis. Definitely not far off to say that people with BPD have autistic traits. I mean, I know that there's a lot of self-soothing that happens. I think the reason that the diagnosis is exists is very important. You know, how does it develop? And also, you know, is it where there's this emotional dysregulation and that's when those autistic features kind of come out mainly and really looking at a specialist to help with diagnosing it. Now, in terms of the research, I will say that there's not enough information on this topic right now for you to feel confident or for me, let's say as a clinician, to feel confident that you have one or the other or that you have, let's say like, you know, you've been misdiagnosed as BPD because, you know, there are so many similarities and differences and so many different combinations of symptoms of borderline personality disorder. I talked about that a few episodes ago and just not enough clinicians specializing it and not enough research, you know, that you'll end up, you know, I worry that as a community, we'll end up going down this rabbit hole. So you know you really well. And if you think that you have social skill deficits and you have evidence to support the social skill deficits that you have, then, you know, I really suggest and urge you to start social skills training Find a clinician who's going to work with you on that, who's going to help with the nonverbal cues if it's navigating the social world is an issue. And also finding someone who's going to help you with switching off that dysregulation and then learning how, like I was saying, to re-enter relationship, to think of the other person. Now, to relate it to my own recovery process, I definitely went through these phases of not being able to think of other people and sometimes it was selfish 
for sure. But what I found is that when I let go of a lot of the ego-driven behaviors and the selfish-driven behaviors, um, or the selfish ambition, let's say, I still would miss what other people needed. Gift-giving is a great example. I would give terrible gifts to Jay. I would get Jay gifts that I wanted or that I wanted him to have. And I really had a hard time kind of making this click. And so I had to really learn to think about what it is that he needed. Same thing with my, you know, animals, my dogs, my son, in order to be able to develop the ability to have that be a more fluid process for me where I'm at now. Whereas if I'm going to give a gift, I'm going to think of what that other person likes, what their hobbies are, what their interests are. And I'm going to try to put a lot of thought into the gift that I'm giving versus doing something impulsive, not taking the time, getting that individual something that I like. You know, I really want to put thought into the things that I do. And that's, you know, on an everyday basis as well. But like I was saying, in recovery, it was hard for me in the beginning to really think of other people. That was a deficit and it existed when I was dysregulated. So I would absolutely say that that is something that we could consider an autistic trait that I had had. But I worked very hard to think first, what is that other person thinking, feeling, how are they behaving? What are several different scenarios of what that other person could be thinking and feeling versus what I think they're thinking and feeling because of my dysregulation? And I really tried to apply that skill to the work that I did in recovery. If you listen to some previous episodes, I talk about selfless service. I talk about, you know, it's always being our fault and you taking extreme responsibility. The reason for that is to help with developing this theory of mind. If I start to put other people in my, you know, frame, my, my viewpoint, right? If I start to look at them first and look at me last, then sure, there's worries that I won't get my needs met or I won't be able to trust them and, you know, those types of things. However, there's also that ability to see other people and to start to experience the world the way they see it, right? So if you have a partner and you know that they are somebody of good character generally, And you have a difficult time when you're dysregulated. You have a difficult time thinking of them. I really encourage you to start to do some research. Find someone who can support you in understanding what that person needs. You can even just ask. If you listen to this episode and you're listening with your partner who's neurotypical, just turn to that partner and ask them. Or maybe neurodivergent but doesn't have this uh, theory of mind deficiency. Just say, hey, what did you need? And then the trick is to believe them, right? Is to believe that they were actually thinking the thing that they said that they were thinking. I was talking about this with someone today. Jay would be sitting at the table, right? And he would have a look on his face, some look, right? It it could have been, it's just not a happy look, just a look. And I would go, well, what's wrong? Are you all right? He would look up at me and he would go, What's wrong with you? Are you okay? (laughs) And so it would, you know, now it's a joke. You know, if I do it now, it's a joke. And I'll kind of do it as a joke, you know. But before, when I really didn't know, what I was doing is I was reading his face 
incorrectly. And I was taking that reading of his face and hypermentalizing, thinking that there was something wrong with him and it must have been something that I did. My goodness. So what he explained to me as we, I would check in with him is when you do that, I feel like I have to watch my every move and I can't relax because I'm just sitting here. And if I just sit here, then something has to be wrong. So I was able to look at the world from his point of view and continue to learn that. Same thing with my son as he ages and he gets through, you know, he goes through development. I have to think about what he needs. What does he want? What is, what is you know, in the moment that he's growing, what are things that he needs to be secure? How can I, you know, help him grow and into, a, into an autonomous adult? With my dog, same thing. I have a German Shepherd. German Shepherds are talky. I don't know if you've ever had a German Shepherd. They talk a lot. And we think it's cute, so we do and reinforce it. She's rah, 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 right? Somebody comes to the door, she starts barking, and it's intense. I have to think, why is my dog barking? Is my dog barking because she's trying to get on my nerves? Is, is it because she wants to ruin my TV show? Is it she knows what she's doing? No, dogs don't do things like that. So I have to think about what my dog might be doing. My dog is doing is engaging in an instinctual behavior pattern trying to protect our home, which is her job. So she's working when she barks like that. And so these are just little things over time that I really had to learn and study. And the reason for that was I didn't have the opportunity to develop that as a child. So I went back and I studied this information. I was able to learn and grow. And so for me saying like, oh, I have autistic traits, you know, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable, honestly, for myself, even after telling you those stories. The reason for that is because I have beautiful family members that have diagnoses of autism, younger children. And there's just a difference there. It's just something, and I worked with children with autism, adults with autism when I was earlier on, you know, training to, you know, become a clinician. There's just a difference there that I can't really, you know, put my finger on, right? So I don't want to get too into that. I just think that having autistic traits and having autism are, are different, and that's my own personal opinion, just having worked in, in the, the field and having family members with that for so long. So, you know, I think that really what I'm trying to drive home is that there's not enough research to really know the answer to a lot of these questions. But there is research, enough research that suggests that dialectical behavioral therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, it's just not enough in terms of, you know, recovering from borderline personality disorder. Because there has to be this development of theory of mind and social skills training. So, if you're in a program and you feel like something's missing because you're still having episodes and you're still not mentalizing, you're still not thinking of the person you're in relationship with, seek out support to help enhance your ability to have cognitive empathy. And if you think you have empathy, I want you to check in with the people in your life and see whether or not when you're dysregulated, if your ability to have that same level of empathy still exists. And see if you can have open, honest conversation about that. I hope that was helpful, everybody. If you're out there, there's hope. 
you know, you want to get the right supports and just know that this is, even though it's a hard process, it's a lot of work, a lot of labels. I mean, gosh, like even saying like, oh, I have comorbid diagnosis of autism and or diagnoses of autism and BPD or I have autistic traits, it's like great, another label, right? You know, but the really the hope there is that if you take that diagnosis and you look at what are the deficits and you look at how can I enhance those, you really start to work hard to chip away at them, life will get better. Are you going to be a little quirky? Maybe. But being quirky and suicidal or passively suicidal, like actively or passively suicidal, and really thinking that there's nothing left for you but just being on disability and being in therapy for the rest of your life, there are different things. So I just encourage you, really don't give up. Do everything that you can to find your answer. And if no one can give you a definitive one, just take the symptom that you're having, experiencing, and chip away at it. Jay and I are always available to chat, 844-9-THRIVE, T-H-R-I-V-E. That's 1-844-984-7483. Or you can email us at rose at thriveonlinecounseling.com or jay at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Thanks, everybody. Hope you all have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week for another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, thanks for listening. That was From Borderline to Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.